Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. You ever worry? You ever panic? You ever have anxiety? Well, we have just the cure. We have Dr. Edmund Bourne with us. He's a specialist. He has two books, The Anxiety and Phobia Workbook, okay? And also Coping with Anxiety, 10 Simple Ways to Relieve Anxiety, Fear, and Worry. You're going to be a big help to many. Welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you, Michael. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission. To make you sound your best, thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex, enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. Is this an epidemic or what? How many people out there were? I mean, we all worry, and it's a crazy thing that, you know, what happens to us. Current research uh, finds that about 18% of the American population has a diagnosable anxiety disorder. Uh, So we're getting close there to one in five. Uh, So it is quite prevalent. Uh, Unfortunately, only a a portion of those people actually seek treatment for uh, their their anxiety issues. Uh, But the the incidence is, is actually higher now than it than it was five or 10 years ago, We're, we're approaching one in five. People in the United States will experience either panic attacks, phobias, or excessive worry within the next year. Uh, Dr. Bourne, I, I remember the first time that happened to me. I mean, do, if I may say, during puberty, and I had like a panic attack. Never before anything like that. And uh, didn't know what was happening. And um, uh, thankfully, it went away. But, I mean, people have all kinds. It comes in and wrapped up in, in so many different styles, when it comes to uh, to panic, uh, are you ever just kind of keeping, <laughs> you're an expert, but you ever just keep learning and, and surprised at how it, it rears its ugly head? Well, uh, again, the prevalence of panic attacks uh, in this 
in our country is about two to three percent of the population. A panic attack involves a, a, a constellation of very disconcerting symptoms like uh, heart palpitations, dizziness, uh, shortness of breath, perhaps sweating, perhaps nausea, uh, and also psychological symptoms like a fear of going crazy or a fear of dying. Now, all of uh, those those two last symptoms are, of course, exaggerations. You aren't actually going to go crazy or you're not going to die either from a panic attack. But once people think they might uh uh, actually uh, be in, in some kind of danger, then, of course, that uh, ratchets up the, uh, the symptoms of a panic attack, all the trembling, shaking, dizziness, sweating, and so on. So you get into a vicious circle where the, the thoughts make the symptoms worse, and then as the symptoms get worse, the thoughts get worse, and you're in a sort of uh, vicious circle. And um, the way you intervene uh, to help people with uh, panic attacks is through uh, a variety of methods. Uh, and that's true of all seven anxiety disorders, which I can mention later if you want. But with panic, we call it panic disorder. Uh, generally, you've got to teach the person to relax first. So you, you teach them how to uh, do what's called abdominal breathing, breathe from their uh, uh, stomach or lower abdomen and slowly and through their nose. Uh, you want to teach them not to fight the uh, panic reaction or it gets it, worse, right? <laughs> let me, it gets worse. Yeah. The more you fight it, the worse it gets, the more you flee it, the worse it gets. So you want to teach people to, uh, work on, uh, developing an attitude of, of, uh, kind of going with it, kind of, uh, accepting the symptoms, kind of riding the wave, so to speak, and allowing enough time to pass for the, uh, adrenaline that's been released in a, in a panic surge to uh, dissipate because usually it's over in about 10 minutes. Dr. Bourne, I, can I ask you, I mean, your specialty when it comes to anxiety, uh, does it get personal? I mean, do you, do you have problems with anxiety or how did you become the expert on this? Uh, that's uh, an excellent question. And uh, for many years, I struggled with uh, one of the anxiety disorders, so, uh, the one that we just call obsessive compulsive disorder, except I didn't have any compulsions. I personally just struggled with intrusive, repetitive thoughts that came into my mind. And, and where the anxiety comes in is you don't feel you have any control over those intrusive thoughts. They just keep repeating uh, and they don't have much meaning to them over and over again. And, and because you feel you can't really control them, that's, that's why you get anxious. So I struggled with that problem for more many, more years than I would like to admit. It was really over a period of decades. Wow. And it finally remitted. It finally actually uh, remitted, substantially remitted, uh, not completely, but substantially got better uh, in the last five to 10 years. Wow. Uh, it started in college. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm 72 years of age right now. Mm -hmm. So that gives you a picture of how long uh, the disorder persisted. And I think that's how I got into the field, uh, simply because I was trying to figure out how to deal with my own issues. Mm. And so uh, way back when, more than 30 years ago, uh, 35 years ago, I really started seeking out anything I could find on uh, the subject of anxiety disorders in general, as well as uh, 
OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder specifically. So yes, my own, per- as is the case in a lot of, uh, with a lot of folks, uh, I got in the field as a result of uh, having to deal with my own issue. I appreciate your honesty. I know a lot more people are talking about this. Uh, Carson Daly, who's on the, you know, the mm-hmm. Today Show, talking about his issues with uh, panic disorder and anxiety. And uh, I think of Donnie Osmond, too, you know, before the uh, Joseph and yeah. the Technicolor Dreamcoat, he had a panic disorder. This is someone whose whole life he performed. And uh, so it, it's very prevalent. Barbara Streisand, uh, there's, a, there's a long list of rather famous names. That, Carly that Simon? Had some kind of uh, <laughs> Carly Simon. Um, yeah, I, I don't have that list in my memory at the moment, but, uh, if you, if you look at that list, it, there are a lot of really, uh, well-known names on that list. I'm sure a lot of people don't want to come forward, you know, and talk about that. I'm sure that it, I don't know why people associate that with weakness in some, and it's, it, why is it looked at any differently than any other problem or, or just, I think that used to be more true, uh, maybe 10, 20 years ago than it is now. Uh, people uh, were more closeted about having an anxiety disorder because they were embarrassed uh, that other people would know that they had an anxiety disorder. But I think there's been so much uh, media coverage uh, of uh, these types of problems in the last 15 years that it's it's becoming more uh, acceptable, socially acceptable, and uh, more and more people are willing to talk about the uh, if they have an issue uh, without fear of, uh, of uh, losing any uh, uh, credibility or uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the eyes of whoever their audience is. So yeah, I, people think get, I think it's changed. People get a bad rap. I mean, Carson Daly, he takes medication for it and people say, well, your face fattened up and, and they get mean about it. I mean, the, the man is being transparent, helping a lot of people and medication can do that. And uh, I don't know, some people are just ruthless. We all have, you know, problems, but the tendency is to say no, no, no. Uh, and, uh, and to try to talk the person into reality when they have an anxiety or phobia. Can we do that? Absolutely. Uh, I think having a supportive person nearby or over the phone to talk you through it, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to it as an anxiety surge because to have a full-blown anxiety uh, panic attack is, is a long list of criteria. Some people have just a, uh, a, a, a somewhat more limited anxiety surge, which doesn't, you know, result in their fearing they're going to die or go crazy. Uh, and yes, a, a supportive person, uh, preferably a person the person knows, can can talk somebody through uh, the worst parts of a. Uh, anxiety surge until uh, the adrenaline settles down and, and they begin to get past the, the, the most difficult symptoms. So uh, frequently, uh, when people are facing situations to which they're phobic, they will take a support person along with them. Let's say they're, they're trying to get over a fear of flights or they're trying to get over a fear of dentists. Uh, they'll have a support person. Uh, it could be a, a, a partner or a spouse. Or it could be just a good friend go with them. And that provides them with both support as well as distraction or somebody to talk to. So you aren't paying so much attention to whatever body symptoms you're having or to whatever fearful thoughts you're having. You're, 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 you're talking to a support person that's, that's accompanying you to, to try to divert your attention away from the, the symptoms. 
what happens to that support person if <laughs> you my dad was a you know he's a retired dentist so you bring up a good point you know it's probably number one on the list anxiety but what well, you know they used to say that dentists had what the highest suicide rate and probably because they're around people who have such anxiety that just want you know that are in the chair so uh, by being around someone who has anxiety all the time can that happen does it kind of rub off on them the statistic that dentists uh, actually um uh, take their lives. Is, I'm not sure it's related to anxiety. I, I haven't actually uh, researched that, but uh, certainly dentists uh, do deal with people who are anxious, and uh, many of them use uh, uh, various types of measures to help reassure and, and relax uh, the person in, in, the, in the dental chair. Dental phobia is uh, an interesting one because the most important factor in o- overcoming dental phobia, whether you have a support person go with you or not, is the bedside or let's say chairside manner of the dentist. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you have a dentist who's friendly and understanding and aware of issues of anxiety uh, and understanding towards them, uh, it's going to work out a lot better than if you have a dentist that, uh, you know, uh, becomes critical towards you because you're, you're shaking in the chair, you're <laughs> not able to keep your mouth, you know, in the right position for him to do his work, uh, and, he's, and he sort of gets impatient. So the, the, uh, the, the type of guy that, or woman who, the dentist really makes a big difference in uh, helping folks with dental phobias. Uh, so I, I recommend to all my clients who want to, have issues with uh, dental phobia to really uh, search for a dentist that's uh, uh, knowledgeable and aware about uh, dental anxiety. With anesthetics, you don't want to use epinephrine. Epinephrine, which is similar to adrenaline, you want to use an anesthetic that's free of epinephrine. Uh, That also helps uh, prevent How do you talk to people who have anxiety? Because I imagine it's kind of like a tug of war. They want to convince you, whether it be a phobia or what they see or hear or whatever it could be, delusions, anything, that it's real. And they're going to try to convince you. Then you say, no, it is not real. And so it seems... The key point, the key point in my work is saying, we're not here to do talk therapy. We're here to give you strategies and skills that you're going to practice at home mm-hmm. <clears throat> that will help mitigate your problem, whether it's panic attacks, whether it's excessive worry, whether it's uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, my job as therapist is to teach people uh, a variety of strategies. That's why my book runs almost 500 pages uh, to that they're going to practice at home and then report back to me the following week on how they're doing. And these are all skills and strategies that, that do directly uh, uh, enable them to uh, change their whole way of dealing with the anxiety from, from a position of feeling helpless and overwhelmed to a feeling of some degree of ability to cope and ultimately mastery. You know, that's what we ultimately aim for is a sense of mastery over the yes. problem. So they, they, have a, they have a repertoire of skills they can use whenever anxiety comes up. This could include extremely brief things like abdominal breathing, things like uh, progressive muscle relaxation, which is tensing and relaxing all muscle groups in your body in succession, things like um, 
uh, whenever you feel anxiety coming on, uh, you know, talking to another person on the phone uh, or in person or engaging in physical activity, getting out of your head because you probably, uh, you know, engaged in a lot of very fearful thoughts. So mm -hmm. if you can do something very physical, uh, that, that helps you to uh, move out of your head into your body. Get angry with the anxiety is another one. This doesn't work for everybody. Hmm. Uh, but for some people, uh, actually getting angry with the anxiety redirects the adrenaline from uh, fear into anger. I mean, adrenaline doesn't care. It can go into fear or it can go into anger. Not all people, but for some people. Uh, really getting angry with the anxiety. Uh, you know, getting out the old plastic baseball bat and hitting it against the bed uh, will will be a way to help dissipate it. So. There's a whole toolkit of different um, strategies for dealing with the sudden uh, uptick of anxiety, which happens in panic attacks. Uh, you have a little different approach towards phobias. Uh, there you want to have the person in th three, in four words, face what they fear, <laughs> but you can't face it all at once. Uh, the proper way... Uh, Dr. Sure. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I was going to say your own personal struggle with it and, you know, and especially with a man of your means. I mean, you know, you're a Ph.D. You know, this is your specialty. What, what is some of the difficulty as far as getting through to you and, and the struggle that other people have uh, with all the knowledge that a person may have about anxiety? What, what trumps knowledge sometimes? Why does it keep happening sometimes? Well, the type of uh, disorder I had, which is called pure OC, uh, Pure obsessional disorder. It's not OCD. There are no compulsions. No, with with an obsessional disorder, you just have intrusive thoughts that keep coming into your mind, and you cannot. Uh, and they're meaningless. They don't. They don't have any relationship to anything real that's going on. Uh, so uh, they are. They are rather different. In my own personal case. Uh, this issue was, was hard to, to deal with because, uh, you know, the more attention you put on it, the bigger it gets. Right. So my usual attitude would be to say, oh, well, there it is again. I'm just going to go about my business. In other words, not to magnify it by focusing on it. Uh, and, um, ultimately I also personally, I'll, I'll confide in you that I had to use medication to uh, uh, help uh, diffuse the severity of my own condition. And in fact, uh, I, I have no embarrassment uh, in telling your no. audience that I'm, I'm still taking a maintenance dose of, uh, of a medication that was begun over 20 years ago. And, uh, and that also was helpful. OCD frequently, uh, more than the other anxiety disorders, uh, tends to respond to... Um, Two classes of medications: the SSRI, the uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor class of uh, medications, the SNRI, the serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor medications. So, um, you know, if you're just having to deal with the fear of going over bridges, you can probably do that through gradually exposing yourself to the fear without medication. But if you're dealing uh, with a, a, a really stubborn condition like pure obsessional disorder like I had, uh, it's a combination of, the, of learning not to fight with it and also uh, taking uh, some medication to help just turn down the volume.
I really appreciate uh, you mentioning uh, about medication. That was actually one of my questions I was going to ask. So you beat me to it. I mean, uh, it's there. Like you said, it helps. Do you, are you an advocate of that and uh, maybe natural supplements or do you think that some work better than others? All of the above. I'm an advocate of uh, all kinds of natural therapy, including the, the default therapy that all therapists use, cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm an advocate of medications when you have someone uh, that has uh, an anxiety disorder that what I would call is in the moderate to severe range of intensity. Uh, for someone that, that has just a mild problem, a medication probably isn't necessary, but for someone whose problem is in moderate to severe range, like between a six and 10 on a scale of 10, uh, medication can also often be helpful. It would take two shows of this link to go through all different medications that are used to treat anxiety <laughs> I don't mind. disorders. You're good. You're good. Uh, We'd love to have uh, you again and again. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, there are probably eight or nine classes of medications that are used to treat anxiety disorders, and it, it would be a five-minute discussion of each one of them. Uh, but uh, yes, I'm uh, all of the above. Uh, natural approaches, uh, um, medication approaches, uh, and to be quite honest, the spiritual approaches, uh, uh, with that, of course, I expect whatever spiritual, uh, affiliation my, my client has, I have clients from, that are Christians and I have clients that are, you know, uh, members of other religions. And, uh, I always, you know, try to really respect the, uh, the religious perspective and views of, uh, the person I'm talking to, but. Uh, the last chapter in, in my book, The Anxiety and Phobia Workbook, is uh, uh, the name of the chapter is uh, personal meaning, but three quarters of the chapter is on spirituality and how, uh, you know, really cultivating uh, a relationship with what, let's just say, use the 12-step word, higher power, mm -hmm. to be neutral here, yeah. uh, cultivating a relationship with a higher power and sort of being able to turn over your worst case moments to that higher power can be very powerful uh, as a yet another um, way to deal with uh, anxiety disorders when, the, when they're severe. Um, so um, Now, is it true, Dr. So, Warren, is it, is it true that Jewish guilt is incurable? Is that true? I'm just kidding. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. About oh, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of jokes about yeah. <laughs> Jewish guilt. You know uh, there are a lot of jokes about <laughs> Jew Jewish mothers, but... Uh, uh, I don't find. I come from uh, a Jewish family. I could say it. I come from a Jewish. Family. <laughs> I don't find any uh, uh, difference in terms of uh, frequency of anxiety disorders between different faiths. Uh, people of all faiths are subject to uh, anxiety disorders. Yeah, just for the sake of your audience, I want to just mention briefly the the major anxiety disorders. Uh, you've got panic disorder, which is a tendency to have unexpected panic attacks that just kind of come out of the blue and are frightening because, especially at first, because you don't know what's happening until you get some education about what's happening and how to handle it. It, it can be very uh, disconcerting. Social phobia uh, is another big one. Uh, that's, you're really afraid of being in any situation where you're exposed to the scrutiny of others, whether it's uh, participating in any kind of a group uh, or even more um, unusual things like fear of uh, blushing or shaking in public or um in some cases uh fear of uh of crowds fear of talking to strangers 
So that's the whole, there's a whole range of different things that can happen with social phobia. Then we have specific phobia. And those are just sort of uh, one-off phobias like a fear of airplanes, fear of dentists, a fear of heights, a fear of elevators. There's probably 50 of them. Uh, fear, I, people, I like the conclusion. Fearful of thunder and lightning. Uh, I, <laughs> I like the conclusion but, that uh, some people have where they say, well, when I'm 20, I cared what everybody thought about me and I, I worried a lot. And then I was 30 and I had a family or so, and then they were 40 and then they get to 60 or whatever. And they realize that nobody was looking at them to begin with. <laughs> Correct. There is a, there is for many of uh, these anxiety issues, a, uh, a tendency for them to diminish with age. Uh, not always, but in many cases, uh, the, they, they have a tendency to start in the late teens to mid twenties period. Of, of a person's life. There are, of course, childhood anxiety disorders as well. We won't go into that. But for most people, it's sort of, you know, college and the four years after college is the most critical time for developing the problem. And then uh, generally, as you just said, by the time you're getting into your 50s, 60s, 70s, you, you've learned to deal with the problem. And uh, it's it, it, in many cases has, has dissipated quite a bit. So uh, I have the most sympathy for the younger folks, people in their twenties, thirties and forties who are struggling. They seem to, you know, be the largest portion of the population. It's a real thing um, that you're dealing with, you know, and sometimes I guess, you know, you can, I don't know, you know, you have the sensitivity and certainly in your books, we want people to get your book, uh, Coping with Anxiety, 10 Simple Ways to Relieve Anxiety, Fear and Worry and the Other. Big workbook, beautiful. The Anxiety and Phobia Workbook. It's a practical step-by-step guide and relaxation exercise. You talk about coping with panic and new research on exposure and, and a lot of others uh, as well. And, um, but it seems very cruel because you try to reason with someone about it and it's, it's just about impossible. Um, and it's not, I mean, it's, it's an exaggeration of, of uh, like on steroids almost. Yeah. Um, of those two books, I would consider Coping with Anxiety kind of the Cliff Notes version <laughs> of the big book, the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook. It's, uh, it's about a 180-page book that summarizes uh, a good part of the material in the uh, larger book. So for someone who wants, you know, a quick, uh, a quick read, uh, a little book you can even put in your purse if you're a woman, uh, the Coping with Anxiety book is a summary, uh, whereas the, the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook t- attempts to be highly comprehensive and highly detailed and cover the waterfront. Uh, so if you want the the full encyclopedia, and you get that one. Yeah, it's, but, well, it's um, important. I mean, you, um, you. This is a beautiful book. I mean, I, I'm really. I have to say, and and the great thing about it, because sometimes it's hard to get a a therapist or an appointment, and and you're right there in this workbook, helping people work through uh, their struggles. And uh, it's yeah, a, I do phone appointments. I do phone appointments every day. I, I can't do face to face because people call me from all over the country, but I, I do phone appointments every day. I have one a little bit after our interview today. And you've been featured on psychology today, natural health, cosmopolitan yes. fitness and uh, bottom line, uh, personal and others as well. And uh, of course you're, you're taking new clients. I am taking new clients. Uh, I, uh, as I said, uh, mostly my website and book advertises uh, broadly so uh, I talk to people all over the United States and Canada, uh, and generally I do uh, hourly sessions 
and typically only for a short period of time, typically five to 10 hourly sessions uh, over uh, five to 10 weeks, or maybe 10 to uh, 20 weeks for folks that just want to talk to me every other week. Dr. Bourne, does that, does that Bobby McFerrin song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, does that infuriate you? Or is that, is that a good song for someone who has well, anxiety? I think it's just a funny, it's just a fun and lightweight song. I don't, <laughs> uh, uh, in fact, uh, I actually take a line from that song in the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook uh, as one of the uh, hoping statements people could say to themselves, to, maybe to inject a little element of humor into the whole thing if possible. <laughs> No, it's true. I mean, and let me ask you, though, as far as like what you came to the conclusion of. OK, so everyone has their own journey, I'm sure. And I, and forgive me, because this is uh, me as a pseudo a pseudo psychologist. I'm sure that does it all come down to like unresolved conflicts in the end that, that and bad coping skills that somehow uh, result into anxiety. But I'm just wondering uh, what what did you learn in the conclusion of the matter? What would be the conclusion of your journey with, with anxiety and uh, how you feel like you overcame it? Okay, I, I think I heard two questions in there. Uh, yes. There may have been a question about causes, and there are three sets of causes for any anxiety disorders. To some extent, uh, they are hereditary. Uh, when you study identical twins, uh, there's a 40 to 70% chance that the second twin will have the same anxiety disorder as the other identical twin. Then there's, a, there's a, your upbringing. You know, if your parents were highly critical of you, if they expected perfection, or if they were overprotective, a whole bunch of things <laughs> that can happen in uh, your uh, period of growing up that may also predispose you towards anxiety later on. And finally, it's just cumulative stress. Folks that, that develop panic attacks or phobias or, or excessive worry often have had uh, a, a great deal of accumulated stress when you look at all the things that might have happened in the last year or two before they developed the disorder. There's, there's usually uh, a lot of cumulative stress. So that's, in terms of causes, those are the three genetics, family upbringing, and cumulative stress. To boil down uh, the resolution of anxiety disorders uh, from myself or for anybody else into anything short, is impossible. That's why uh, my book has 19 chapters of interventions. <laughs> and uh, my forthcoming seventh edition of the book, which I'm going to plug right now, won't be out until March of 2020. Go for it. But it will be very largely revised from the current sixth edition. Uh, it, the answer is just there for each individual person, there are a variety of um, skills, strategies, techniques that can that they can learn to help work their way out of the problem. It's nothing that's done overnight. It's a, it's a learning curve being able to uh, learn to use abdominal breathing or being learning or especially learning how to challenge and reverse negative self-talk. Uh, you know, the, the kind of what we call what if thinking, you know, what if what if this happens? What if that happens? What if blank fill in the blank? Uh, is very prevalent among people with anxiety disorders. So you have to help them literally uh, retrain their mind away from the fearful uh, what-if types of thinking towards more supportive, constructive forms of thinking. And that's a learning curve. That takes time. Mm -hmm. Like learning to play the piano, it, it takes a while and a lot of practice of rehearsing constructive counterstatements, what we call counterstatements, 
to the fearful or self-critical or the perfectionistic statements that get them into trouble. And uh, so one type of homework I give people is to either write down counter statements to their most toxic thoughts or to play back, uh, you know, from their smartphone in auditory fashion, uh, counter statements to their most toxic thoughts. And then to rehearse that on a daily basis, maybe, you know, as much as five times out of every seven day week. Uh, and gradually retrain their minds towards more helpful thinking. So uh, that's a that's a big piece of the puzzle. But uh, all of the things you see in my book can be relevant. I mean, the uh, uh, certainly medications are, are very useful when you have a more severe problem. But uh, also things like working on assertiveness. A lot of people, uh, especially with social anxiety, are, are uh, just a they're 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 fearful of not obtaining the approval of people or of uh, uh, you know not not being liked. Hmm. So you have to work with changing that whole mindset uh, that you know if they happen to blush or, or sweat while they're giving a talk in front of people, nobody's going to care. It's not a big deal that they're making it into. Uh, or, uh, if uh, if they're afraid of speaking up in groups, uh, you have to work on really changing their whole mindset about that, uh, that they're not at all likely to say anything that would bother anybody and that they can, you know, actually benefit from being able to participate in a group conversation. So each person, the bottom line is each person is different and out of the maybe 20 or 30 different interventions in my book, at, le- at least, for each person, you're going to have a separate set of tailored interventions that will work best mm-hmm. for them and will be easiest for them to enact. So, uh, I like what you said line, about anxiety, uh, social anxiety. That's uh, a lot of people talk about that today. Yeah, it's, it's a problem. It's, uh, it affects about 5% of the population to the point where they have a diagnosable uh, social anxiety disorder. But the bottom line is people who do the homework get better. People who don't do the homework tend not to get better. Mm -hmm. Uh, The work, and it is work, involved in overcoming anxiety disorder is uh, learning to practice, as I've been saying all along, skills, strategies, techniques that will um, uh, result in... in, uh, diffusing and uh, dissipating the problem. People can go to helpforanxiety.com right now. Uh, and a lot of what's on there is, is directly taken from my books. But that website itself is going to expand quite a bit in the coming year. So, uh, um, so there's no need to get anxious about that <laughs> for the people. Stay, stay, stay tuned for uh, a new website, you know, sometime <laughs> in the early 2020. Yeah, Dr. Um, Edmund, uh, Edmund Bourne is, uh, has been our special guest. He's one of the best in the business. Uh, coping with anxiety, we've spoken about 10 simple ways to relieve anxiety, fear, and worry, and the other, the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook, which is a heavy book and a helpful book, more than 1 million copies in print. Uh, we'd love to have you on again sometime. We appreciate you being a guest and, uh, and sharing your heart about this uh, very important uh, disorder, anxiety. Well, Michael, it's it's been it's been a true pleasure to talk with you. We, we didn't have limited time uh, to address what is really a vast subject, uh, but uh, if people are, you know, suffering, uh, I do recommend that they work with one or the other of the two books you mentioned. Uh, 
you know, if you go to Amazon and, and do a search for anxiety, there's probably 20 to 30 other self-help books out there. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's a huge amount of help available. There are many, many therapists who specialize in treating anxiety disorders. So last thing I want to close with is that help is available, that you can overcome your anxiety disorder. Maybe, you know, you may not get to 100% perfection, but, you know, you might be able to overcome it 85%. Uh, and that's a whole lot better than nothing at all. So uh, that's the bottom line. You can get better. You can, uh, with the help of the types of tools uh, that are mentioned in my books and many other books, get better. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit vocalboothtogo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission. To make you sound your best, thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.